And when you look at Jesus, you will see what righteous anger looks like. And when you look at, at Jesus, he didn't get angry at the devil. He didn't yell at Satan. He didn't say, get thee behind me! Nope. He didn't do that. He was sleeping peacefully on the boat. The back of the boat. I don't know if you've ever been on a boat. I remember I had a boat. Um, it was very big. It was just a 25-foot cabin, cutty cabin. But I know all the engine and the weight was in the back of the boat. So if that boat was to sink, that, that's going to go down first. Mm. Now, the boat that they were in, all the steering mechanisms and everything were in the back of the boat. That would lead me to believe that the same thing was true then. That would be the first part of the boat to sink. So Jesus is sleeping on the part of the boat that would be the first part to sink. And the waves were crashing in all around them. And, and, and the wind and the rain and the storm was, was pummeling the disciples. And they woke him up. And he got up. And he was angry. Right? He said, why'd you wake me up? Wind wave! You stop! No, it's not what he did. He just said, peace be still. When he got to that island, and that man with a thousand demons came to him, when it came time to cast them demons out, he didn't take an offensive position and use all his, the might and strength of his voice to cast it out. No, he just simply gave it a little command. There was only one thing that got Jesus angry. What was it? We didn't believe. The religious leaders who constantly put his people in bondage. That's what I believe is it's referring to when it says righteous anger. Because you're angry because true righteousness and true holiness is not being preached. I, I, I shared a message, I don't know, a couple of weeks now. It's on YouTube. It's on our, our website. Um, for those of you who don't uh, know our YouTube website, putting it up right now for you. And it's, will the real gospel please stand up? And many people don't understand or realize the fact of the matter that were several, there were several gospels being preached. There was a gospel of works, and there was the pure gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was being preached by Paul. And Paul was constantly attacked by the circumcision, by the, by the ones that were preaching the gospel of the circumcision. So much so that he asked of God, Lord, could you just remove this from me? Could you just remove this from my life? Everywhere I go, I preach the gospel, the true gospel, the one that Jesus gave me. 
And then everywhere I go, I'm, 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 I'm finding myself with this opposition that's rising up. And trying to put people under the law of Moses, once again. And the ceremonial laws, and, and, and the Big Ten, and, and putting burdens on them. I received all my beatings, beatings, beatings. I guess if you're from the city, you say beatings, beatings. Anyway, beatings from, from their hands, at their hands. It wasn't from the Romans. It was from the Jews. With rods and being whipped. Hung upside down by his ankles and being beat with rods. Stoned and left for dead. Don't be preaching this gospel. And what did God tell Paul? God told Paul, my grace is sufficient. So you know what, what God spoke to me when I read that? Len, it's not going to change. It's not going to change. Until they get the revelation of true grace... Until they understand that New Testament doesn't equal New Covenant, until they understand that there's an intermingling of the cov of, of, of covenants, there's always going to be persecution. There's always going to be persecution. And this is why Paul, remember, Peter was preaching the gospel to the circumcision, the gospel of the circumcision to the circumcision. Peter, to the Gentiles. And you read it in Galatians chapter 2. You've got to understand this. He said, I opposed Peter to his face because Peter knew better and he strayed from the truth. What truth? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our only means to righteousness. Faith in him is the only qualification that we need to be qualified for all the promises and all the blessings, you know? And Pastor Lori and I, we've been doing a lot of visiting and, and we visited some, some families that, you know, are finding themselves in the hospital right now. And they're doing what every good Christian does. They're, they have the television on and they're watching TBN and they're listening to messages messages from the New Testament. Messages is supposed to be the gospel. And all they're doing is talking about sin. All they're doing is talking about sin. All they're doing is talking about the law and what the law says and how you better turn or you're going to burn to believers, to Christians. You better turn or you're going to burn. And I'm looking, and the churches are packed. Packed. People hearing that message over and over again. Hearing what they are not instead of what they are. Hearing where they lack instead of what they have in the abundance of, of life in Jesus Christ. Packed. It's like they enjoy hearing that. I could, I could, I'm like, oh man, I like, listen, let me, let me give you something better. Put something better on here. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Intermingling of the covenants, the covenant of circumcision is so prevalent 
People don't know it. They don't know how to recognize it. And they're still living in subjection to it. Just the other day, I'm preaching a message from the Word of God about how glorious we are, about how God glorified us. And that means we have this, he has the same view and opinion of us that he has of Jesus. That's it. When he looks at you, the only view and opinion he has of you right now, no matter what you've done, no matter what actions, right? No matter what the actions, is the same view and opinion he has about Jesus. That's what he says. I called you. I justified you. I glorified you. And then it tells us our life is hid in God, in Christ. Why? Because God established us in a place of righteousness in Christ, whereby which every time he looks at us, he sees Jesus. Period. Amen. Do you know he washed our sins? He, he took them. He, he, he released us from that sin nature. He freed us from it. It's gone, gone, goodbye. Do you understand that the Bible says there will no longer be another sacrifice for sins? You know what that means? That means that God's sacrifice was once and for all, for everyone, past, present, and future, every sin, every time they missed a mark, forever and ever and ever. What are you talking about? That means, Pastor, are you telling me that, me, that tomorrow... If I happen to, because I'm not predicting this for anybody, not if you've embraced your true righteousness and your true holiness. You mean, Pastor, tomorrow if I miss the mark, right? If I miss the mark, that that's already been forgiven? Yeah. Yeah. Because the Bible says he was made sin with our sins. If that took place at the cross, guess what, guys? It meant every sin of us, of ours. Past, present, and future. And the Bible says he was buried with it and raised without it. Raised to newness of life. That's why Father God can say sins and iniquities I remember no more. So I, I, get, I, I get angry at religion. I think Jesus would too. That doesn't mean I don't love and we don't love. That didn't mean, didn't mean Jesus didn't love. But I get angry, angry at it because it keeps people in bondage. And you know what I get even more angry of? Tony, your wife's going to let you know. I poured out my heart. Not my heart. I poured out the heart of God. About how truly loved they are. How they need to view themselves the way that, that God views them. How they're exactly like Jesus Christ. How they're perfect, holy, righteous, complete. And everybody was feeling so wonderful. That's what the gospel does. And I can see where they want to be free. But I can see where they're not. Because then they hear another message. Listen, you better turn or you're going to burn. You're lukewarm. You're going to be spit out. You know, in the last days, this is what's going to take place in the church. 
in the church, in believers. And then they go on and list all the, all the characteristics of, of believers. And what gets me even more angry is they use Paul's writings to prove their point. So you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to look at what Paul has to say about it. And let me say another thing. On Tuesday nights I teach. I have a special invite only, Zoom. Uh, Zoom teaching sessions where I teach on Revelation and end times. And until the church comes to grip with what the phrase, the end of times, or the last of days, until they come to terms with what that truly means, they are always going to be living in and under the lies of prophecy and prophets. Because when Peter and Paul and John talked about the last days, the end of times, you have to understand reader relevance, listener relevance, hearer relevance. They knew what he was talking about when Jesus mentioned it. They knew what Paul was talking about when he mentioned last of days and end of time. They knew what, what, what Peter, they, they knew. And guess what? There were all warnings about what was going to happen. And it happened in A.D. 70. And until you come to grips with the fact that A.D. 70 was the greatest, the greatest onslaught and attack on the nation of Israel and in Jerusalem that they have ever seen. The entire city was leveled. Christians, Jews were, were, were just slaughtered and killed. And if you heeded the warnings, you were nowhere to be found in Jerusalem at those times. And supposedly, during that devastation, when Rome marched on Jerusalem, and that devastation and destruction took place, there were no Christians that lost their life because they heeded the warnings. So if you don't know, if you don't dig in, if you're just going to keep on listening and, and just you know, believe in anything that comes your way as to be the truth, you're just going to be hoodwinked. All right? So anyway, they use this message that Paul gave Timothy. And then they went, to went on to describe this horrible, sinful stuff. And they addressed, they addressed it in such a way as it is always used to be in, in, in when preachers address things. That that was the condition of the people. That was the condition of the believers. That was the condition of the church. And, and, and when you listen to that, my spirit was crying. My spirit was aching. I was hurting. I'm like, no, Lord, that, no, no, no. Then I went home and I went home and I started thinking, Lord, maybe I'm, I'm just... Maybe I should just start changing it. Men, churches are filled that they talk about the law and they sin and, 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 the, and the gospel of circumcision. So maybe I should. I said, no, I can't, Lord. I know what the truth is. I know what the truth of your covenant of grace is. I, I, I know the truth of who I am in Jesus Christ. I know that as he is, so am I. I know it. I know it. I know you would never say those things to your people, to your children. And I know Paul wouldn't either. And Paul wasn't. Mm -hmm. 
but yet they made it out to sound like Paul was. So let's see how Paul would address things, okay? Is that all right? Yeah. All right, where's my notes? Here's my notes. So first I want to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 24. And I'm going to be using the King James Version. Um, and I'll let you know right off the bat, it's not my favorite. Okay. But more people are, are using it that listen to me than not, so they're more familiar with, familiar, familiar with it, so we'll, listen, we'll, we'll use it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 24. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. Ooh, that's really harsh. This is about as harsh as Paul gets. Okay? I testify in the Lord, and this is the King James. They even make more, things more harsh. Why? Because they wanted to get your offerings, because they want you to light your, to light your candles, right? Because they want you, wanted you to come to the, to the, what they call them, boxes where the, where the, where the, where the clergy is, and you, you shut the curtain, and you confess your sins, and you make whatever. Okay? So they, they, they made the King James, whoo! They kept people in bondage, and, they, and they, they chose really bad words. But this is about as bad as it gets. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of in the vanity of their mind. See what he's saying? Their mind, having the having their understanding darkened, having their understanding darkened. Them they they being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is within them. So so do you see right away he's making a, a definite this difference and distinction between those that know Jesus Christ and have received and believed in him and those that haven't. And he's not putting those of us who have, right, in the same category as those that haven't are in. This is how Paul, and so why? Because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. That means giving themselves over to sin, lust of the flesh, to work all unclean, uncleanness with greedy, greediness. Now listen, here it goes. Here, here is Paul's harsh, forceful, you know, addressing of saints. But you have not learned Christ in that way. If so be that you have heard of him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that she put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So how does Paul address us and tell us, that's bad, that's wrong? He does it by telling us, but that's not you. And the way that you can grow in the completeness of who you truly are, truly holy and truly righteous, is to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. This is how Paul addresses us. This is amazing. This is good. Romans chapter 6, verse 16 through 18. There's another harsh way that Paul addresses addressed the Romans, the Christians that, that were at Rome, both Jews and Gentiles. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey... His servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. 
Ah, okay, Paul, here we go. Getting down and dirty now. Getting down and gritty with, with, with the believers, with your children, with the children of God. But God be thanked that you were, were. He never connects your past life with your present life. Paul never, ever does that. Amen, amen. amen. He never addresses you according to your previous life. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. You were, you were, you were. But you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, you are now servants of righteousness. Wow, Paul. Paul's getting really harsh with the believers, isn't he? He's speaking truth. He never speaks to you in the present. Putting your former condition of life on you as being your present. It's always the past. It always was, the, was, was formerly. It's never now. But you know what? Is that making sense? Amen. All right, it's making sense. Yes. So when you hear people using Paul, his, wor his words as to now, your condition, condition of believers, turn it off. Please turn it off. Please turn it off. I bet you everybody that was listening to what I was listening to walked out of that situation feeling like the balloon, the air was just left out of the balloon. Now, this is, even, this is even more significant of a verse, of a passage of Scripture. But i got to give you some background. You guys know anything about Corinth, the church at Corinth? Oh, man, listen to this. Perhaps the most significant of factors which comprise the atmosphere of Corinth was gross, unashamed immorality. Both the old city and the Roman colony were known far and wide for their sexual looseness. The most prominent site was Acrocorinth, the sharp projection which rose to a height of 1,800 feet. On the summit of this steep mountain stood the temple of Aphrodite, Aphrodites, a symbol of the lust which pervaded the mind of that city. The worship of this goddess was not Greek in origin, but Oriental. It had been imported from the Phoenician cult of Astarte. In Old Corinth, the temple maintained a thousand priestesses who amounted to nothing more than common prostitutes. Among the myriad problems in the Corinth church, claims of spiritual superiority of one over the other, there was fellow believers taking one another to court and suing them. There was the abusing of commune, communal meal, communion, sexual misbehavior. Unfortunately, the atmosphere of the surrounding area sometimes infiltrates the church. And this is how Paul addresses the situation because it had infiltrated the church. So now, knowing that, this is how Paul addresses the Corinthian church. If there was any place he was going to use 
the turn or burn language, it was going to be there in that church. Am I right or wrong? This is how Paul addresses them. <clears throat> know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulteresses, nor the effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor, ex nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. Wow, Paul. Oh, boy. Paul, are you telling us that's, that's who we are now? You're giving us warnings? Turn or burn? Listen to what he says next. And such were some of you. He will never address your former life with your present life. He will never tell you anything other than who you are and what you truly are in Christ Jesus. I hope you see this here. And such were some of you. This is beautiful. But you were washed. And you were sanctified. And you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Do you see how Paul addresses the sin out there that might have infiltrated the church in there? Do you see how he addresses it? He addresses it from the position of the fact that they were washed clean. He addresses it from the position that they were made just. He addresses it from the position that they were sanctified. Man, this is exciting. Guys, this excites me. This is where I live. This is my lane. This is where I'm staying. And I know there's hundreds of people right now that are being freed from this message. So much so that Pastor Lori and I have been asked to speak, to be guest speakers for an entire month on other platforms that have, that have thousands of listeners. I can just imagine what's going to happen after that. Amen. Truth of the gospel. Truth of the gospel. Wow. Inherit. Inherit, right? They should not inherit the earth. That word there is kleronomeo. Kleronomeo. It means to be an heir. Oh, Really? Well, Galatians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, Paul tells us, And because you are God's sons, he has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, Abba, Daddy. Wherefore, you are no more a servant, but you are a son. And if you are a son, then you are an heir of God through Jesus Christ. Paul saying, they're not going to inherit the blessings of the kingdom. They can't, because they're living in opposition to it. But you... You, you're different. You've been washed. You've been justified. You've been sanctified. And you are an heir to all the blessings and all the promises of the kingdom. Wow, Paul, you really, get, you really got harsh with them, with these guys. This is Paul's gospel. That word washed, apoluo, it means to be washed fully. Wow. It's in the aorist tense, marking a decisiveness of action. Wow. Once and for all time. Testimony to the complete spiritual change divinely wrought in the believer. This is how Paul addresses us. This is how Paul addressed one of the most 
sinful situations. In fact, at the Corinth church, it was so sinful that there was a man living, having sex with his father's wife. And how does Paul address it? From a position of you've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been glorified, you're one with Jesus Christ. See, if people don't know what their true identity is, they can never grab hold of their true identity. If you keep on using law and sin, they're, they're going to constantly live in that, in that, in that mindset. They're going to be living in the prison of the system in which Jesus freed them from. Washed. Sanctified. Hit, right? You've been sanctified. Sanctified. Lori's, one of Lori's favorite words. Hagiazzo. It means to be made holy. It means to be purified. It means to be consecrated to God. It means hallowed, holy, sanctified. This is, this is Paul's rebuke. Do you understand that? This is Paul's rebuke. For 30 years, I didn't live on Paul's rebuke. For 30 years, I lived on the fact that God was so upset at me and he was so upset at me, and when he looked at my life, I was making him sick in his stomach, and he was getting ready to throw me up because I was just a sinner saved by grace. I wish I had Pastor Lenny in my life when I was 22 years old teaching me these truths. Amen. Pastor Lenny didn't learn these truths until he was 50 years old. I wish I had Pastor Lenny back there. Hagiazo, beautiful. Justified. Diakio. It means to be rendered innocent. To be freed. To be justified. To be righteous. Wow, Paul. This is how you deal with Sin? By telling us how sanctified, how justified, justified, how righteous, how holy, how blameless, how we're the very sons of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, because we're one with him. Paul, that's how you deal with a mindset that still might be bent towards sin? And Paul says, yes, that's how I deal with it. That's how the gospel of grace deals with it. That's why Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of grace because it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. My marriage has never been better. Never been better. And I took more courses than you could shake a stick at. Man in the man. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus, you know. Uh, I, I, so many other things. Uh, man of velvet, man of steel, you know. And it just... And now, simply because I have grabbed hold to the fact that as Jesus is, so am I. That as Jesus loves, so do I. And, 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 and as Jesus is righteous, so am I. And now I look at my wife, and I look at her with the eyes of Jesus... I can only love her the way Jesus loves her. You know? I can, I can only look at her and I, and I see no faults and no flaws because I see her as sanctified and righteous and holy and blameless. That's how I see her. 
We are so, look at, she puts these signs everywhere I go. I love you, Mr. Righteous. She, she made me a card the other night. It looked better than any uh, Hallmark card. She took real, she took a lot of time with it. She, she, she took a piece of paper, she folded it up, she gave it a front, she drew a little picture on it with nice hearts and stuff. And then she put Lenny, you are, boom, 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 boom. And, and boom, 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 boom. And, and heart, 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 heart. And God loves you more than you'll ever know. And I love you more than you'll ever know. And my love is growing more and more every day. I'm like, Lord, why, how, you give me a wife like this, man. It's, uh. And you know, right away, I want to be like, well, I don't deserve it. Right away, I'm not that person. Do you see that's a lie of the enemy? Mm-hmm. That's what religion wants us to believe? But uh, if you start believing that way, you know what God is there to do? He, God is there to say, she said it because it's true. Amen. Every single word of it. Because that's what I have done for you. That's what I have provided for you through the gift and offering of my son. Got one more quick verse. And we'll bring this to a close. This is in Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 and 23. And you who were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now you have been reconciled in the body of his flesh through death as to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable, wow, in his sight as you continue in the faith, grounded and settled in the faith. Do you see what he's saying? It is vitally important that you need to stay grounded in the faith. What faith? Grounded in the faith that you are righteous, that you are holy, that you are perfect, that you are complete. All because of faith in Jesus Christ. This is, where, this is how Paul deals with stuff. And not be moved away from the hope of the gospel. That's what the circumcision tries to do. They get us to move away from the hope in the true gospel, which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. So, Pastor Lenny, I mean, you know, like I said, for like 15 years, I took courses on how to be better, on how to do better. And I'll be honest with you, in my life, they didn't work because I was still putting myself in a position where every Sunday or every message that I was listening to was telling me, but you're still a sinner saved by grace. You're just still a sinner saved by grace. Turn or burn. You're still making God sick to his stomach. You still, no, it wasn't until new creation realities exploded in my soul and I started realizing is as he is, so am I. Then my life started to turn around. That's how my marriage got better. That's how relationships grew stronger. That's how everything was changed for the better. So my answer to people is not courses and books. My answer to people is the true, too good to be true gospel of Jesus Christ. Where you hear that message, the truth over and over again, 
where you are constantly told you are the head and not the tail, the top and not the bottom. You are blessed coming in and blessed going out. Your finances are blessed. Your homes are blessed. Your cars are blessed. Your children are blessed. Your children are blessed. Your children are blessed. My children, every single one of them, are living in blessings that I couldn't even begin to think about or comprehend when I was before this message. When I look at how they live and what they've achieved and what God has done in their lives, your children are blessed. Blessed are the fruit of your womb. Okay? It doesn't also, it doesn't just mean blessed are the fruit of your womb. It means that too. But it, it means blessed are the fruit of your womb. Is the fruit of your womb. Children are blessed. Blessed. My health is blessed. My life is blessed. My finances are blessed. This is where I'm living. And it's all because I believe I am, I can, and I have. That's my gospel. Just like Jesus Christ. I am, I can, and I have. Amen? Amen. So, Father, we thank you. Yes, Father. That this is a faultless and flawless gospel, and it only becomes a flawless and, and fault-filled gospel when we mix legalism and law into it and preach the gospel of circumcision. We can't add to it. Jesus, you've done it all. You've done it all, Jesus. You, prov you, you provided everything for us by achieving total, walking in total obedience to the Father, to the law. And now because of that, you know, we're qualified for every single blessing that you have for us. Every single promise is, is yes, it's amen. Because you qualified us, Jesus. Faith in you qualified us. There's nothing we have to do except embrace who you tell us we truly are. Father, thank you. Thank you, Father, for loving us so much. So much that you gave us Jesus. And then thank you for loving us so much that you made, it, made us just like him. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name.